BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in San Francisco. The Department of Water Resources is promising no water next year for rural and urban areas unless they need it for basic necessities. This comes as California's drought continues into a third year. KQED climate reporter Ezra David Romero explains. Santa Clara County is one of seven places, including Napa and parts of Southern California, relying on state water for basic needs like bathing and drinking. State leaders said Santa Clara Valley water will receive the water it's asked for. And that's great. It's better than a sharp stick in the eye. Gary Kremen is the vice chair of the agency, which serves more than two million people in the San Jose area. He wants residents to understand they're only getting emergency water in part because local reservoirs are just 11 percent full. In Santa Clara County, it's extraordinarily bad. And I don't think people realize that unless the second their tap doesn't work. But that's not the right way to look at it. Despite recent rains, Carla Namath, director of the Department of Water Resources, says this water year, the state needs 140 percent of average rainfall to recover from drought. At the moment, there's only a voluntary cutback of 15 percent statewide. But Namath says that could change. If conditions continue this dry, we will see mandatory cutbacks. She says the state's largest reservoir is only about 30 percent full. And that's just half of where it usually is for this time of year. For the California Report, I'm Ezra David Romero. The detection of the Omicron variant in San Francisco is prompting a lot of questions about the efficacy of vaccines and how we should operate moving into the holiday season. For more on this, I spoke with Dr. Monica Gandhi. She's an infectious disease doctor and professor of medicine at UC San Francisco. As a public health expert, I mean, are we responding to this appropriately or could we be overreacting? You know, in this particular case, I saw a a kind of a huge overreaction to the variant. I'm still trying to understand all the reasons why. But what I mean by that is we've actually had four variants since Delta Mu. One's called Mu, one's called Lambda, one's called R1, one's called Delta Plus. And we didn't see this kind of overreaction. And there was so much panic on Thanksgiving. And also beyond that, travel bans were enacted. And bizarrely, they were enacted only against African countries, even though actually now the variant has been found in multiple European countries, Portugal, Israel, Italy, UK, Canada, US yesterday. 
And that part of it really has been raising a lot of concern by the WHO and many of us that it looks really discriminatory to just put travel bans in because it was described from South Africa. So there's, yes, I think there was an overreaction to this variant. Admittedly, a lot more data has come out since, and that's great, and that that can really calm us down. But there was something about this that that was really panicky and pretty much ruined everyone's (laughs) holiday last week. And I imagine the ramifications of this will likely be different for you know, the Bay Area, a region with high vaccination rates compared to other parts of the state where we're still seeing a lot of people who haven't gotten vaccinated. Um, I'm thinking of the Central Valley and um, some of the other rural areas in Northern California. Would your professional advice be different for Californians living in those communities? That is absolutely right. I mean, we saw what you just, the pattern that you just said, We already saw that with the Delta variant, and that was months ago, that places with high vaccination like the Bay Area were spared the the high hospitalizations, saw cases, but spared the high hospitalizations because they became decoupled because these vaccines really work against severe disease. But places that had low vaccination around the state and also, of course, around the country saw high hospitalizations. That same pattern will occur with a new variant. And so, yes, in the Bay Area, very well protected. There are places in Central California that are less protected. And the biggest thing I can think of is how hard we need to work to get those who are still on the fence and who are unvaccinated to please get vaccinated. And the question that's probably on a lot of people's minds right now is just should we be concerned or should we be living life like we were just a couple of days ago or a week ago before this discovery? So I think we should not be changing anything, especially if we live in areas of high vaccination and they're going to be protected from this variant, which again is looking a lot better than it looked a week ago. Not even sure if it's more transmissible by the Botswana data. And all of that means you're in an area of high vaccination, please proceed. Um, Do what all you are doing, go on your holidays, do what you want to do. In places of low vaccination, that is true that any new variant can drive more cases and hospitalizations. And I think if I were in charge of the universe, I would think of um, more creative ways to get our unvaccinated vaccinated. And what I mean by that is there are older people who are retirees, not reached by vaccine mandates, who I would reach out to. People on disability actually are not working and not part of vaccine mandates. And there's about 10 million Americans that we could outreach to in those two groups. Dr. Monica Gandhi is an infectious disease doctor and professor of medicine at UC San Francisco. Dr. Gandhi, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Despite the discovery of the new coronavirus variant, Governor Gavin Newsom says the state will likely avoid shutdowns and added restrictions like during last year's surge. Speaking in the Central Valley yesterday, the governor said the state will increase COVID-19 testing at California airports for arrivals from countries identified by the CDC where the variant is spreading. The governor also stressed the importance of getting vaccinated and for those who are eligible to get their booster shot. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and... 
I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. California rules meant to protect outdoor workers from the dangers of wildfire smoke are almost never enforced. That's the finding of an investigation by KQED and the California Newsroom. Farida Javala Romero has the latest in our ongoing series, Dangerous Air. Breathing wildfire smoke can lead to serious health problems like worsening asthma and heart failure. So when there's unhealthy levels of wildfire smoke, California employers are required to reduce exposure, such as by moving workers indoors or providing N95 masks. But in Fresno, the state's top producing agricultural county, many farm workers I spoke with say they've continued to work in heavy smoke with no protections. In a field by the highway, a man pulls dry grapevines from the soil. He's worked in U.S. agriculture for 15 years. I hand him a wrapped N95 mask and ask if his boss ever offered him one. No, at work they haven't given us masks at all, he says. We're not using his name because he says he fears retaliation from his employer. And like more than 40% of the state's ag workers, he's undocumented. An estimated 4 million people work outdoors in California. Over the last two years the rule's been in place, the state has faced the worst wildfire seasons on record. But the agency tasked with protecting workers' safety cited employers for violating the smoke rules just 11 times. That's according to data obtained by KQED and the California Newsroom. The official who was in charge of enforcement at Cal OSHA just got a bigger job as head of federal OSHA. Senators will each have five minutes for a round of questions. Before we begin... During his Senate confirmation hearing this spring, Doug Parker told lawmakers a top priority is to enforce worker safety laws. And then we also have to be able to deliver the goods once those uh, workers... Uh, have the trust in us to come forward. He declined to speak with KQED and directed us to Dan Lucido, who's now the acting chief of Kalosha. We are a leader in providing worker protection, including against smoke. Do you really believe that there's only 11 violations of this law over two years? So first of all, we can only respond to complaints that are issued. And... In, in all of the cases where we responded and found evidence of a violation, we issued a citation. Back in the field in Fresno, 
The worker says he didn't know about the rule, so he couldn't complain about not getting the required protections. His employer never told him how to stay safe on smoky days, he says. Other farm workers I talked to said the same thing. And that's something the rule says employers must also do, in a language workers understand. Cantu Ag Management employs workers in this field. So I, we already um, sent over your email to our attorney, so he is the one that's going to be responding. Angie Garcia works at Cantu Ag Management. I contacted her after sending a request for comment. We provide everything necessary for them to, you know, use while they're working. Later, the attorney told KQED the company is in compliance with the smoke safety rules, but declined to provide any evidence. What's really needed, advocates and state lawmakers say, are strike teams of Kalosha inspectors in the fields on smoky days. But a bill to do just that was gutted in the state legislature earlier this year, after Governor Gavin Newsom's administration opposed it. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero in Fresno. And that's the California Report for Thursday, December 2nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall in San Francisco. Thanks for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor personalcapital.com. SF MoMA, presenting the world premiere of Joan Mitchell, a stunning retrospective of over 80 works by the trailblazing painter who made art on her own terms. Learn more at sfmoma.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at schmidtfutures.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast. With an S. Thanks. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be, California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.